As you peer off to the east, you look at a bright star that shines in the sky. You look at this illuminating light that is special and it's important and it's unlike other stars because it signifies that of the birth of the Messiah. I don't know about you, but as I read historical accounts and I I look at some of the stories that are recorded for us in God's Word, in my head I, I draw pictures. I see what I'm, what I'm reading on the page and I, I try and imagine what's going on, what's taking place. Well, within that, today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, which Drew just read a moment ago, but within the picture it seems sometimes we're misinformed, whether it be from things that we imagined or whether it be maybe scenes that we've seen, maybe TV shows, maybe things that we've heard, it seems like oftentimes we are misinformed on really what's taking place. In Matthew chapter 2, we have one such thing, one such instance where sometimes we find ourselves misinformed. In Matthew chapter 2, if you skip all the way down to verse 11, it starts out the first thing we might be misinformed of. It says, when they had come into the house. So as we draw the picture in your head, realize that we're no longer in a stable. We're no longer having the Son of God laying in a manger, although it did fulfill prophecy and it did happen. That's not where we're at in Matthew chapter 2. We see that the wise men come to the house. Well, and we also think of the Christ as being just, oh, maybe, maybe a day old in the, the supreme infancy Well, once again, we have some misinformation. Within Matthew chapter 2, if you go ahead and and look at it, there's a special verse at the end, in verse 13 and 14, where we're told that the wise men had just left in verse 12. And in verse 13 and 14, they were warned by an angel that they had to leave. And we see the immediacy of them leaving because they left by night. They didn't even wait until morning to begin on their journey, but yet there was haste in verse 13 and 14. Well, what does that have to do with the age of Jesus or how old Jesus must must be? We must first tie in Luke chapter 2. If you go back to Luke chapter 2 and you look at verses Luke 2 verse 21 through 24, you see that at the birth of Christ, Under the Old Testament, under their law, there were certain things that had to transpire. There are certain things that took place, and we see in Luke chapter 2, verse 21, that these things took place with Christ. In verse 21, it says, And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22, now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now notice in verse 22 that it says they brought him to Jerusalem. They had some unfinished business. There were some things that had to be done. Notice also verse 23, it says, As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. 
In order to really understand or to grasp what's going on, you have to refer back to Leviticus chapter 12, where in Leviticus 12 you'll see according to the law that the mother of a young male child would be separated from, from others. They would be separated from the population for a period of seven days because she was unclean. And then following on the eighth day, the male child would be circumcised. Then after that, you had the 33 days before they went and they offered sacrifice in Jerusalem. So between the first seven days and then the following 33 days of purification, as is prescribed in Leviticus 12, according to the law, which it says took place, it happened. Luke chapter 2, as it's recorded, we know that the time in which the wise men came, Christ was no less than 40 days old. He wasn't the youngest child anymore, but yet he was no less than 40 days old because in verse 13 and 14, right after the wise men leave, we see that they had to make haste. They had to get out of there. They had no time to wait because the Lord had a plan in preserving the Christ, in preserving the Son of God, that they had to leave, they had to flee so that Herod wouldn't kill the young child. So now as you draw the picture in your head, realize that Christ was at home. He was a young child. He was at least 40 days old. But yet, as we consider the Christ, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, and we'll begin the journey through this passage. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. First thing you might notice is at the very beginning it says that the Christ, Jesus, was born in Bethlehem. Understanding that in accordance with scriptures and prophecy, that which was foretold, Christ was to be born in the city of Bethlehem. Within this time period, oftentimes there was a more special meaning to names. There was a more special understanding within words. The word Bethlehem meaning the house of bread. The house of bread, it's interesting to note in John chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I believe it's only fitting that the bread of life would be born in the city where is the house of bread. Understanding that we have the fulfillment of prophecy in the, in the birth of Christ at the city of Jerusalem, I mean at the city of Bethlehem, sorry, we have many things that we can note that are important. The first thing I would like to note today is wise men desire the light. They follow the light. They look for the light. It started in John, I mean in Matthew chapter 2 as the wise men look off and they see the east star, and they follow that light, knowing that it signifies the birth of the Messiah. Just as we see that Jesus says that he's the bread of life, 
In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus speaks again and he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He is the light of the world. Notice we have wise men in Matthew chapter 2 that see the light, the shining star, and know that it signifies the Christ. And where are they headed? They're following the light because they want to see the Messiah. Just as Jesus said that he is the light of the world, we too must follow the light. Because in the end, I want to be with God in heaven. Wise men desire the light. They follow the light. They always have. And if we are going to be a wise man, a wise person today, we must follow the light. Light, we'll notice, is the source of salvation. It's the source of life for all. In John chapter 1, it says, In him was life, and the life, that life was what man needed. Within, within God's plan, life was within Christ, in creation, and in all of everything the world ever encompassed. Within our goal, we should realize that the only place we can find life, spiritual life, physical life, it would not be here without Christ. I think of John chapter 12 and verse 46 when he says, I have come as a light into the world, Jesus speaking. He says that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Within Christ there is light. Within light we see hope. Within that hope we see a future. Life is only found within Christ. There's nowhere else. There's no other light to which we can look that we will find hope as that in Christ. John chapter 14 and verse 6, verse 6 Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want life? He says, no man cometh to the Father, true life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Within Christ, the true life we see he's the, the light that we must desire. He's the source of salvation for mankind if we are willing to follow him. Looking to God's word, looking within the pages, the recorded message that we have today, we can find the path, the way that leads home. In Psalm chapter 119, or the 119th Psalm, verse 105, he says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The way that God communicates with us today so that we can follow this light is through the message that we hold in our hands. It's through the biblical message, the inspired word of God, where we can see God has created a light, a way for us to go home. Those wise men in Matthew chapter 2 weren't the first people to desire light. They weren't the first ones to look and hope for light. In fact, Solomon in all his wisdom said in the long ago, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 13, he says, Then I saw that wisdom excels folly and light excels darkness. What he's saying is light is so much better than darkness. Wisdom is so much better than folly. 
Don't get messed up in the, the problems of the world, but rather with wisdom. Seek that which is good. Seek that which is true. So, throughout history, wisdom has pointed to the light as being what we should follow. The wise men of old follow the light, and today, and today, if we want to be wise people, we must desire the light. Not only do we see that wise men desire the light, but we'll also notice in Matthew chapter 2 that evil men despise the light. They hate it. Matthew chapter 2, follow along with me again. We're going to be looking at verses 3 through 8. When Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me so that I may come and worship him also. We see the trickery in his language. We see his idea in which he's going to make them believe that he has these great, admirable plans. Bring word back to me so that I can worship him also. But the, the biggest hint is in verse 3 when it says, It troubled him. He was upset. Well, why was he upset? Because he was king. He was the king of an important kingdom. Herod thinks to himself, he says, well, I've got everything all together here and I don't need anybody coming in and taking over and messing up what I have going on. So Herod in verse 3 is troubled. Remember the wise man, or the wise men came to Herod and in verse 2 he said there was born king of the Jews. And he said, wait, I'm the king of this nation. I don't need anybody coming in here and stepping on my toes. I don't need anyone to come in here and to mess up my kingdom. I've got it all pretty much figured out. And so in verse 3, we see that Herod is troubled. You understand, he despised the light. He didn't like that east star that was shining, that was drawing these people because they understood that it was a king that was born. Said, there can't be two kings in town. That's what Herod was thinking. There's no place for more than me around here. And so he had to do something about it. And so he, he makes a decision to try and figure out where this king is found. Where this king who was born can be found because he has evil intentions. Just as Herod despised the light because he knew that it signified the Christ, today, throughout Scripture, over and over, darkness is contrasted with that of light. Darkness is pictured as evil. 
In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Then it goes on to say, but the opposite, but rather expose them. Show them. If you bring out the light, you'll see the evil in their deeds. So we see darkness, the picture of evil, the picture that we should avoid. Darkness in the, in the mind of those that are wicked is going to hide the evil. God's not going to see me. No one will notice. No one will be hurt. Because if I do this in the dark, it's unable to be seen. John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, he says, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. They hate the light. And obvious, why would one that is involved with evil hate the light? He goes on to say, Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. The point is, the actions are shown in the light. But he that doth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. The actions are good, they'll want to be in the light. If they know that the actions that they're about to commit are evil, they're going to have a desire for darkness. Because they don't want the evil to be seen. Evil men have despised the light for a long time. It wasn't first these wise men that came following the light who see Herod despise it. But yet throughout history, evil has been associated with darkness. Finally, darkness will lead to being lost. Darkness leads to death, eternal death. John chapter 12 and verse 35, Jesus said, A little while longer, the light is with you. Walk in light while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. We've got to walk in the light. As Christ was with him in his earthly ministry, he said, follow me. While I'm here, make your decision to follow me. If we want to live for Christ, we need to be like the wise men that desired the light rather than Herod that despised it. And finally, we need to understand that the home, home is the destination of the light. Back in Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. It says, when they heard the king, and behold, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. Notice he's referred to as a young child. Then they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We see that they depart. We see these wise men depart from Herod and they go on their journey and they continue to follow the light. And you see the destination of the light. It comes 
to the end. It says in verse 10, Then they saw the star, they, rece- they rejoice with exceeding great joy, because in verse 11, it takes them to the house. It takes them to the final destination, the goal of which their whole journey started. They come to the Lord of Lords, to the King of Kings. The purpose of light within all of the New Testament is to bring people to Christ. It's to take them home. It's to help us to our destination. And we see that Jesus Christ is that light. He's helping us to go home. You might notice that when the wise men start out on their journey, they view the light and they follow the light and they continue following the light until they get to the home. They get to their destination. The same thing has to take place today if you want to live in Christ. You look to the light, Jesus Christ, And you follow Christ in your life until you arrive home. Within Paul's conversion example in Acts chapter 26, he recounts the example and he recounts what took place. And in reference to to him, in reference to Paul's purpose, or Saul's at the time, Saul's purpose in God's eyes He says, Saul, he says, you are to open their eyes, talking about the Gentiles, in order to turn them from darkness to light, to transfer them from where they are lost in sin to where they are saved in Christ. He says to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. And then he says why. He says that they may receive for forgiveness of sins an inheritance among those who are sanctified in by faith in me within through God's design through Christ people can be sanctified set apart people can have that forgiveness of sins that is spoken of and because of that Saul was called to be Paul who would later preach to the masses the gospel-saving message, to turn them from darkness to light. The purpose of the Messiah coming, the purpose of the God being born in the flesh was so that man could come to the light. People have an opportunity to change course. Life is not over if you... Feel as though you're caught up in the darkness. You're caught up in sin. It's not, it's not all hopeless. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, he says, talking to the Ephesians who are now Christians, he says, for you were once, notice, for you were once darkness. You were on the wrong side. Talk about the dark side. They were on the side of evil. He says, you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. You have changed. You're a changed person. Today, mankind, any person that has life, has breath, has hope to change from darkness to light. 
That was by God's design. That was God's purpose in sending his son to start with. But pardon, in order to find pardon, it requires that we make a change. It requires that we decide to walk in the light. It, decide, it requires that we must make a decision that we're going to follow Christ, that light is what we desire, that we're going to live for Him. 1 John chapter 1, one of my favorite passages, of course, they all are when I'm talking about them, but 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7 through 7 says, This is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you, that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light. You go back to verse 5, we see that he says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all, if we think we're in God, if we think we're in Christ, and yet we live in darkness, we're mistaken. Because God's plan is that if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, that's when we find the fellowship. That's when we find salvation. We might notice that pardon requires walking in the light, but at the same time, we also notice that there's hope for those in darkness because they can transfer themselves. They can make a change in their life. It's called repentance to walk in the light, to live in the light. Finally, as we talk about light, you understand that within Christ, within God's plan, there is no need to fear. There is no need to worry what can take place in this world because God is the light. Because panic is dismissed by God. Psalm chapter 27, in the very first verse, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Then he goes on to say, Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my light. Of whom shall I be afraid? I don't have anything to be afraid of. Whether life or death, whatever happens in my life, it doesn't matter because the Lord is my salvation. What I'm telling you this morning is be like the wise men and desire, follow, strive for the light. If we follow the light, understanding that Jesus is the light, living as God has patterned for us, one day, just as the wise men made it to their destination. Just as they went on their journey and finally they arrive. They arrive at the home where the Messiah, the Lord, the King of Kings was staying. They understood that this was the chosen one. When they arrive to their home, just as they made it to their destination, if we're following Christ, if we're following the light, we too can make it to our destination. I want to leave you with one verse. In 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. He says, but you, you individually as a person, 
As a child of God, he said, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, talking about Christians. You as a Christian are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If we have a reason to rejoice, we can rejoice in knowing that we are called from what we once were. We are called out of darkness into the light where we know we can find eternity. We know we can find salvation. You as a chosen vessel are now the ones to go out and to share that light. We now are the individuals that God has given the job of telling the world about the soul-saving message. So now as we come to a close today, we see that it started out a long time ago with wise men desiring light. But today, we must be those wise men. Not only do we need to be the wise men that desire the light, but we need to be the wise men that share the light. We need to tell the world about the Savior that gave his life. The Savior that was crucified so that we could have hope for the future. My question this morning is, are you a Christian? Are you in the light? Are you walking in the light? If not, it's very simple. God laid out a plan and he sent the Son and we see the Son coming into the world in Matthew chapter 2. The only reason the Christ came into the world was because God had a plan that he would die for the world. God had a plan that he would give his life so that the world could have hope. So we see the Son of God that was born, that lived a perfect life and was crucified. And now we have the opportunity to turn from darkness. We call it repentance. We have the opportunity to get darkness out of our life, to turn away from it, to give our life to Christ, to confess Him as our Lord. Jesus promised that if we'll confess Him before men, He too will confess us before the Father which is in heaven. Why? Because I want to get to that final destination. The wise men in Matthew chapter 2 made it to the home where the Lord was. And if you want to make it to the home where the Lord is, we must continue walking in the light. Finally, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, after, after they realized what they had done and they realized it was wrong, and they asked what they have to do in verse 37 and verse 38, he says, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Have you changed your life? Have you given your life to Christ? If not, there is no better day than today. Behold, today is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If you haven't given your life to Christ, don't wait any longer. If you're a Christian and you're not walking in the light, you can change your life from darkness to light. That's the promise that Christ gave us. So if you're willing to confess, if you're willing to repent, if you're willing to give your life to Christ, don't wait another minute. Come as we stand and sing.